Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. This episode of Dish was brought to you by Delicious Magazine in April 2016. To hear more episodes, go to deliciousmagazine.co.uk forward slash dish. Hello and welcome to Dish, brought to you by the team here at Delicious Magazine. I'm your host, Andrew Webb, coming up on this episode. I think it was the first pizza ever flown in space. We found out what it's like to cook and eat in space with astronaut Don Thomas. Pomegranates have got a really special status in Iranian culture. And with Middle Eastern food officially a thing for 2016, we'll explore the food, flavours and ingredients of Persia. We catch up with editor Karen Barnes and see what's in the April issue. And Rebecca Wollard's in the library with the book of the month. It's all coming up on Dish. Five, main engine ignition. Four, three, two, one. And liftoff of Space Shuttle Discovery. British astronaut Tim Peake and his Heston-created Bacon Buddy are just the latest in a small group of people who've flown and eaten in space. So I've come to London's Science Museum to meet another one of this privileged group who flew on that discovery mission. My name is Don Thomas, former NASA astronaut. I had the amazing opportunity to fly on four space shuttle missions. I was on Space Shuttle Columbia three times and Space Shuttle Discovery once. Spent 44 days up in space and went around the Earth 692 times. Wow. So 44 days, that's uh, three meals a day. Tell me what the food was like. The food, you know, I characterize it as being okay. It's not, it's not the best uh, food in the world. I always tell people I would never go to a restaurant that serves space food. I wouldn't eat there. So the food is okay. It's a lot like camping food. Much of it is freeze-dried because we don't have refrigerators or freezers. Uh, they freeze-dry the food. We add water once we get to space. Uh, some of our other meals are irradiated food packages. They come out of the military. And uh, they have the moisture already in them, but they've been heavily irradiated to kill off any bacteria. And then you don't need to uh, put it in a refrigerator again to preserve it. It'll stay a long time without that. I'm not, I'm not sure that's the best food for humans. Um, we don't eat that at home normally, but up in space it's okay. Did you have a favorite dish to look forward to, thinking on oh, Friday it's burgers or something like that? In space, my favorite food was uh, we had a beef and barbecue sauce. That was one of our military rations. And also had uh, sweet and sour chicken, one of my favorites up there as well. My favorite food here on planet Earth is pizza. And I was always a little frustrated there was no pizza in space. But on my very last mission, you know, we're allowed to carry a sandwich out to the launch pad on launch morning. Just in case we're out there for many hours with weather delays. So instead of asking them for a sandwich, I said, could you make me a small pizza, a pepperoni pizza? And they said, yeah, yeah, we can do that. So instead of having a sandwich, I had a slice of pizza in my 
launch an entry suit. And once I got to space, I got to enjoy, I think it was the first pizza ever flown in space. <laughs> oh, that's a first. Tell me a little bit about cooking in space. So I imagine there's not, obviously, you don't want a fire, so there's no stoves. Is it just rehydrating with hot water? Cooking in space is very simple. Uh, half of our food is this freeze-dried food, so we just need to add water back to the package. So a n- little needle will poke inside the package. You inject the water. The dry, hard, freeze-dried food uh, absorbs the water and softens up. And in a few minutes, we would just cut the package open with a pair of scissors and eat it with a normal fork or spoon. We also have a small oven. It's a convection oven on board. The, we had it on board the space shuttle. And it just blew excess heat from the space shuttle into a small box, like a bo- size of a bread box at home. Wow. And it would just heat up the food a little bit more. So if you had some of the military ration food, they're in foil pouches with the moisture already in them. We would th- throw the uh, food packages in that oven. It would just heat it up. Tell me about how it affects your taste being in space. Did you notice any differences there? You know, I've, I've heard many astronauts say that their taste buds were different in space. I, I never noticed anything like that at all. Most of the food is fairly bland that we fly. It's got a lot of salt, preservatives in it, and it, it was kind of bland. So typically the astronauts would fly little packets of condiments, mustard and ketchup and hot sauce, just to spice it up a little bit. But things that I did not like on Earth, I didn't suddenly like them in space, and things that I loved on Earth... I didn't hate him in space. So it was pretty much whatever I liked down here on Earth, I knew I was going to like it in space. So there was no big shift in in the taste for me. Did you all take meals together? Talk to me about meal times, because on Earth, obviously, it's all sitting down at the end of the day, busy day at work. You you talk about the issues, things like that. How important was the sort of camaraderie? You know, on on many of the movies, uh, we portray the meals as everybody stopping work all together, sitting down and having a meal together. My experience was that that seldom happened because okay. of our we've got di- different schedules and I might be working on some experiment or some hardware and it's taking me a little longer so and I want to finish it up before lunch. So it was rare that they got the whole crew all sitting down together to have a meal. But we would go to the food station which was down in the mid deck our lower level of the shuttle, prepare all our meals, velcro them to yourself and then we would float up to the windows up on the flight deck and watch the earth go by as, as we had our meal up there. So typically, many Americans, will eat their dinner in front of the uh, telly. And, and, and in space, we would eat our dinner in front of the windows and, and just share that moment together. But you're watching incredible sights go by. So the long and short of it is the food sucks, but the view is amazing. I say don't go to space for the food, but the, the, the view is amazing up there. So I, I, think, I think you summed it up exactly right. How do you think Tim's getting on? Because he's got the world's first bacon sandwich in space. Uh, he's doing a lot of social media. Uh, he's got his first cup of tea and things like that. I mean, do you think he's doing a good job for Britain? I think he's doing a great job. I, I read that his first meal was the bacon sandwich and a cup of tea when he got up there. And I think he, he's as excited about his bacon sandwich as I was about carrying up my slice of pizza. And, and it does so much for your psychological well-being. And it's a way to connect with your, your home planet, with your home uh, country. And I know he's a proud, uh, you know, Briton here. And I'm, I'm sure he's having a great time up there. He was able to do a spacewalk already, you know, on his first mission. First month in space, he's outside, you know, already doing spacewalks. So he, he's having the time of his life. And, I, and I've seen some of his images on social media and Twitter. And uh, you can tell he's having a great time, and everybody here should be super proud of him. Don, thank you very much. Very welcome. It's been a real pleasure. 
And you can find out more about Don's public appearances by visiting inspirespace.com. Okay, it's time for the food news now with editor Karen Barnes. Karen, hello. Hello. Uh, What have we got in the April issue that people should look out for? April is going to be all about bread. So we've got uh, anything from a really beautiful buttery challah, which is a wonderful glossy Jewish bread, to a, uh, we've got ciabatta and we've got beautiful rolls and we've got a brioche that is full of jam. Sounds good. And any seasonal ingredients we should look out for? One of the things I was highlighting was the wild garlic season, which is just about started. And it's just the most wonderful time to go for a for a walk in the woods and just you can smell it the minute you walk into a wood where wild garlic is growing. And wild garlic comes out at around the same time as bluebells and it has sort of long glossy green leaves and little white star-like flowers. And you can pick those leaves and use them in the same way that you would spinach in a recipe. Okay. Something else I'm looking forward to is a bit of a binge watch of TV of a programme called Cooked by Michael Pollan, who is an American food writer who is known for his solid good sense when it comes to talking about food. In this instance, he's made a a series of documentaries, four of them, called Fire, Earth, Air and Water. And they are all about the ways, different ways in which people cook around the world. And they are visually stunning. And the best thing about them is because they're on the Netflix channel, they're staying there. They're Netflix exclusive, so you can watch them whenever you want to. Uh, Any food events, any festivals we should look out for in the spring? Uh, well, there are several things coming up. One one is RHS Malvern, which has got Mary Berry doing a star turn in the demonstration tent. And I think Alan Titchmarsh is going to be there as well. In fact, uh, we, we're running a competition with Delicious to win tickets to that show. So that's a, a good thing that you can find on the deliciousmagazine.co.uk website. Um, you can even win afternoon tea with Alan Titchmarsh. Which... Tea with Titchmarsh? <laughs> yes, imagine that. I, I think I might be entering myself. <laughs> uh, is afternoon tea a kind of the theme for April? Because we're coming out of the sort of hungry gap. It's been cold, it's been wet, and spring's finally here. Uh, tell, me, tell me about the sort of feeling that you wanted for the April issue. I think you always need... A sense of freshness in the magazine in April, a a sense of everything coming alive again. Um, People get so fed up with eating root vegetables and and cabbages. They're so good at the beginning of winter, but by the time it gets to March, April, you're desperate for something green and fresh. Um, But also, somehow, it's a time when you start socialising perhaps a bit more and inviting people round for celebrations. And I do think one of the best British traditions is the afternoon tea. And in the April issue, we have a bit of a tea moment going on because Mary Berry has, we've got several recipes from her new book, which is a wonderful book. And we also have the most delicious white chocolate and cardamom cake by Chetna McCann, who 
was one of the favourite contestants in the Great British Bake Off a couple of years ago. She's very good with spices, wasn't she? She always got her flavours and her spices spot on. Spot on. This cake does have cardamom in it. And the the combination of that with white chocolate is wonderful. And actually, Chetna came to visit us at the Delicious Mag office a little while ago and she brought that cake with her and every single person who tasted it said it was the best cake they'd ever had which is something to be said at delicious so <laughs> she I said to her please could she uh, share the recipe which she has and we also have a recipe for something called lemon drop scones okay. which uh, that's not quite as it sounds they are scones um, where a sugar cube soaked in lemon juice is put in the top of the scone and then when the scone bakes it kind of melts and goes into this wonderful lemon curdy sticky slightly chewy bit at the top of the scone it's almost like a bit of ready-made lemon curd in the scone and it's a beautiful recipe from an Australian food writer called Rebecca Sullivan and it's her grandma's recipe one of her treasured recipes and that's another part of our afternoon tea collection in April which as far as I'm concerned is a great excuse to invite people round for a bit of a sugar overload. (laughs) We've survived the winter come round for cake. Excellent now you've started a feature called the Sane View in the magazine recently tell us a bit about that. The the point of the sane view is that the more I talk to people about food and healthy eating, the more I realise that people are getting really confused about health messages and what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat. And on the one hand, you have somebody very popular in the public eye, like Bear Grylls, for example, saying you must make everything with coconut oil and uh, it's so wonderful for you. And then you read something else that says coconut oil has a huge amount of saturated fat. And you think, I don't know what I'm meant to do with that information. Is it good for me or isn't it? So this series, I just thought I want the sane view on all of the health issues that we all face on a daily, weekly basis. So coconut oil has been one of the topics we've already covered. In the April issue, we've got a feature called Does Fat Make You Fat? The idea being that we were told for years and years that we should have low-fat food, low-fat this, we should eat lots of carbohydrate. Now, it seems that the experts are saying almost the opposite. Finally here, the Ivy Shepherd's Pie. Tell us about that. Ah, yes. There are several things on the restaurant menu of the Ivy, which, for anybody who hasn't heard of it, is one of the most famous restaurants in London and is known to be a celebrity haunt. And uh, getting a table there can be as difficult as... As coming up with an analogy that <laughs> for getting a table. There. Yeah, exactly. But uh, there are several items on the menu that people ask for again and again. And if the chef dares to take them off, uh, there's an outcry from regular customers such as Joan Collins. Actually, that I'm making that up because I have no idea whether she likes shepherd's pie, <laughs> but I know she goes there regularly. Okay. Um, but yes, this is the secret recipe from, from the Ivy with a slight tweak for Delicious Magazine, and it's really wonderful and very simple to make. Now, if people want to get in touch with any questions or queries, or if you've got any comments on this podcast, what's the best way to get in touch, Karen? 
I love hearing from readers and anybody who uses our website because that's the sort of thing that brings the magazine alive as far as I'm concerned. And the best way to get in touch is either by uh, posting a message on our Facebook page or you can email readers at deliciousmagazine.co.uk. Brilliant. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Goodbye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now I think it's fair to say we have quite a collection of cookery books here at Delicious HQ, from classics to the latest releases. Not only that, we also love books that are about food rather than just plain recipes. And it's just such a book that food editor Rebecca Woolard has chosen for our book of the month. Here she is. The Naked Cook, an extract from Eating for England by Nigel Slater. He has swapped his subscription to Playboy for Delicious. He scans the kitchen notes pages in The Guardian and The Telegraph for the latest gadgets and the hippest ingredients. He orders his organic meat on the internet and gets his groceries by timed delivery. New man in the kitchen is more au fait with making fettuccine than with putting up shelves. He is more familiar with saucisson than swarfiga, and the only screwdriver he knows comes in a glass with ice and a little dish of olives on the side. Stroll around London's borough market on a Saturday morning and new man in the kitchen will be there, picking out a nice sea bass for his supper. Still slightly wary of looking too housewifely, he will go for a big fish or a piece of meat on the bone rather than anything ready prepared. It is easier to assert your masculinity when buying a whole octopus than a pack of salmon fillets. Mince is obviously a no-no. Cooking has replaced do-it-yourself as a way to show how much of a man you really are. DIY shops are closing like clamshells in a thunderstorm. Anything involving a knife is fine, but he will probably draw the line at pastry. Kneading bread is now seen as just as much of a guy thing as knocking down a wall. And he is likely to make just as much mess. What men's newfound love of cooking shares with do-it-yourself is that even the most botched attempt will lead to him receiving compliments, having his ego massaged and being told repeatedly how clever he is. As the French say, plus ça change. And if you've not read Nigel Slater's Eating for England, I can heartily recommend it. (laughs) 
Now, a new book hopes to shed some light on one of the world's oldest, yet, at least in this country, little understood cuisines. I'm talking about the cuisine of Persia or Iran. I went to meet the author to find out more. My name's Yasmin Khan, and I'm a writer and cook from London. And my first book, The Saffron Tales, Recipes from the Persian Kitchen, is out in April. And I'm really excited to be able to kind of talk to you about some of the recipes and travelling I did through Iran to kind of bring this book all together. Yasmin, if there's one ingredient that really stands out in the book, it's pomegranates. Tell, tell us a bit about, about your love for the pomegranate. Pomegranates have got a really special status in Iranian culture. The temples used to be like surrounded with pomegranate trees. And it was said that if in, in kind of ancient Iranian mythology, that if you ate kind of the seeds of a pomegranate, you'd become invincible. Now, I didn't know any of that when I was a kid, but I still really like them. And um, my mum always tells the story of when, when I was little and um, I was a couple of years old and I was kind of living in Iran and my mum would be going to work and every day I'd you know start crying as soon as she'd be able to get ready to leave the house you know clinging onto her legs and you know begging her not to go and she'd turn around to me and say um well you know Yasmin I've got to go to earn some money so I can buy you pomegranates and uh I'd (laughs) practically shove her out the house when I heard that so and what other ingredients are common throughout Iranian cooking Well, I think the dominant flavour of Iranian food is sweet and sour. And so what you'll see is kind of lots of ingredients that kind of bring this element to your dishes. This could be kind of dried fruits or um, kind of date syrups or dried limes. Um, And Iranians love herbs. I think, you know, there's no kind of food culture I've seen in the world that uses so many fresh and dried herbs. I mean, we buy them by the kilo and use them just, you know, as you'd use spinach or something. Interesting. And and there's not much of a history of Iranian food in the UK. Do you think that's because, unlike, say, India or even sort of Palestine around that area, there's never been a kind of British involvement so much in that region. And so we're still quite new to the flavours, the ingredients, the names of things. And it's interesting to see that coming through in books like this. One of the reasons might be is that when the Iranian kind of diaspora came to to kind of the UK and other places in the world, they didn't really get into the restaurant trade because in Iran, actually, home cooking is elevated way above uh, restaurant food. So people don't really eat out, but to be invited to someone's house for a meal is a really big thing. And they're the the lavish affairs um, in Iranian kind of eating. Kind of you go to someone's house, there's always like 10 dishes put on the table. Um, And as a home cook, that was quite important to me to kind of get across in the book, really, that, you know, there's nothing complicated about Iranian food it's just simple delicious home cooking Um, there's there's a lovely dish that uses walnuts like a stew tell us about that oh that's my favourite it's called Fisinjun it's from the region of Iran that my family are from so Uh my family are from the Caspian Sea and it's a dish that's very traditional there it's it's just got three main ingredients uh, which are walnuts pomegranate molasses and either chicken or aubergines depending if you want to do the veggie or the meat one Mm -hmm. and you grind the walnuts into a paste and then you cook it very slowly um, for a few hours so you get this rich kind of sweet and sour moorish stew and my gran used to make it with duck which is really good as well yeah Yeah. Um, and you know know, anything with pomegranates is good for me Um, it feels like a real celebration of a dish so we're in the kitchen now and you're going to do some cooking. That's right. I'm just going to make one of my favourite dishes from Gilan, which is the province in Iran that my family are from. Uh-huh. 
called paneer barista, but it's really easy. It's just some eggs uh, cooked with feta, dill, uh, and a little bit of turmeric. It's in between like an omelette and scrambled eggs. Right. But, you know, not, it's not traditionally eaten at breakfast. Uh, it might be the kind of thing you might have uh, in the evening. In Iran, people eat really lightly in the evening because the main meal of the day is at lunchtime. Really? Yeah, so the evenings tend to be kind of breads and cheeses and eggs and... And things like that. I just heated up a little bit of vegetable oil in a frying pan and now I'm adding... You're frying the feta. Yeah. And then I'm going to crack a couple of eggs into this. And now I'm going to add some dried dill. Yep. Some black pepper. Then what you do ah, so you're is the you eggs. break the egg, ah, okay. you break the yolks. So it's not quite scrambling them. Yeah, because they've started to sort of set like a fried egg. Yes. But you're just breaking them up now and running the spoon through them. So you get a be- really beautiful effect of kind of the yellow and the white yes. together. And would you have this with like bread or Yeah, with, or with some bread. And this is a really, like I said, this is a really popular dish in northern Iran. Um, and it's also the dish that I think every student, when they leave home, <laughs> it's what they learn how to make. Because, you know, it's, it's just simple ingredients. Feta, eggs, and a, bit of, and a few herbs. And in Iran, we use dried dill a lot. It's a really dominant flavour. Um, and in, in dishes like this, we'd always prefer to use dried dill as opposed to fresh dill. Just The, the flavour's just different. Okay. Perfect, we're ready to serve. Yeah, it was interesting how the feta kind of melted and yeah. went into a sort of liquid when it, when it hit the pan. Yeah. Let's have a try of this. Delicious. Good. It ran in a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like going back and kind of travelling around and discovering it all again? Yeah, so I was born in the UK and then we went to Iran for a few years as a kid. We actually would go back really often, you know, we'd, I'd spend my summer holidays there, you mm. know, at my, on my grandparents' kind of small farm. So I've always had a very close relationship with Iran and have travelled back and forth for, you know, 30 odd years. Travelling back to explore it just through food was very special because, I mean, we touched on it earlier, but just you know, exploring the kind of different landscapes yeah. and the different ingredients. And I think one of the most fascinating things about Iran is that it's a really diverse country and it's not only the geography that's diverse but you know there's loads of different ethnic groups um, the climate's really different the culture really varies from each area so it was it was just a real adventure and I loved it and so what's next well I'm running Persian cookery classes in London and um, also supper clubs and I'm exploring the, the possibility of doing some foodie tours through Iran which right. I think could be very wow. fun um, and also I've just scheduled in a first yoga and writing retreat for any other budding writers who feel they want to get a cookbook out. Uh, uh, where's that taking place? That's in Portugal but um, you can find out by um, visiting my website thesaffrontales.com and sign up to my newsletter and find out all about these exciting things and how to join them brilliant thank you Jasmine thank you and the Saffron Tales is available in all bookshops from April 2016 and with that our show comes to a close we do hope you've enjoyed this episode of Dish do remember to add us to your favourite podcast app uh, also please subscribe on iTunes and if you can leave a review there it will be greatly appreciated by myself and the team uh, as ever do get in touch with any ideas or things you want us to look at until then I've been your host Andrew Webb we'll see you next month goodbye 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 